Today's message has been brought to you by Faith Family Church in Billings, Montana. For more information, visit faithfamilybillings.com. Good morning. Looks like I scared everybody off last week. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, that's okay. We're going to talk this morning about praying down the rain. And um, there is probably more material out there, more reading material on this, this subject uh, than anything that I've, I've read so far. And I, I, honestly, and I don't know if Pastor Sean's feeling this way, but lately I have been feeling more the weightiness of what God's asked me to do here. Do you know what a privilege it is to to have God say to you in the time that he's going to be pouring himself out like never before, I'm going to use you. That's like an oh my moment. That's like, an, that's, you, you, get, you have one of those Moses moments when you say, well, surely, <laughs> surely there's somebody that can do this better than I. Surely there's someone who can do this more effectively. And God just says, nope, you're my huckleberry. So, <laughs> some of you got that, some of you didn't. Anyway, I used to have a quote up in my office when I was pastoring, a quote of Ian Bounds. And it said this, the character of our prayer will determine the character of our preaching. Prayer makes the preaching strong, gives it unction, and makes it stick. In every ministry, waiting for good, prayer has been a serious business. And uh, when, especially in the time that we're in right now, and, and when you're seeing things happening like are happening, you know, God's starting to move. The brain is falling. And uh, it is, trust me. And uh, to see God doing what he's doing in, in, all over in, in these college campuses that, that God's beginning to, to pour himself out. Isn't it amazing? And I'm not going to spend a whole lot of time, but how all this happened because one young man decided to stand up in a chapel service and repent and start confessing his sin. One young man. And God said, that's what I'm waiting for. Let's go. (laughs) That ought to tell you the importance. We talked a little bit about having a repentant heart last week and stewarding the move of God. And we're going we're gonna to kind of, this is kind of a continuation that I don't even know if I'm going to get through all this. Because there's so much about prayer and revival. But we're going to start, let's, let's have a word of prayer. Thank you, Father. 
for your word this morning. We just pray, Lord. Father God, that we would have ears to hear what you're saying. And hearts that are ready to be obedient to what you say. It's not just enough, Lord, to hear you. It's not just enough, Lord, to know what you're saying. But we must be doers of what you say. We must be doers of this word, not just hearers. So, Father, I don't need to ask for the anointing because you're already, you've already done that. The anointing's here. And so you just help me to flow in it this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Zechariah 10.1. Ask for the rain in the time of the latter rain. The Lord will make flashing clouds. He will give them showers of rain, grass in the field for everyone. Larry Sparks in his, the book I've been reading, when he's talking about the Holy Spirit and, and revival, he says this, the sound of Holy Spirit-influenced prayer is always on the front line of revival. You don't have prayer, you don't have revival. That's, that's sorry. If you're, if, you're, if you're not praying, and if you're not seeking God, it can be raining all around you, and you can be dry as shucks. Wondering what everybody's getting excited about. Because if you're not praying, you're not going to experience the outpouring of the presence of God in your life. It's a good preacher, Mark. Thank you. I believe I'll keep going. The word uh, Jesus was talking in Luke 18. And if you read Luke 18, 1, it says this. Now, Jesus was telling the disciples a parable to make the point that at all times they ought to pray and not give up and lose heart. That's out of the Amplified that at all times they should pray and not give up and lose heart. Pastor Sean, is, he mentioned using James 5.16. And if you look at that, it says, again, it says, confess your trespasses one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. In the Amplified, it says, therefore, confess your sins to one another, your false steps, your offenses, and pray for one another that you may be healed and restored. The heartfelt and persistent prayer of a righteous man, believer, is able to accomplish much when put into action and made effective by God. It is dynamic and can have tremendous power. Part of the problem is we don't see ourselves the way God sees us. We don't, we don't see ourselves as righteous a lot of times. We don't, we don't see ourselves as being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But again, it doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what the circumstances around you. You can have people screaming in your face constantly that you're not the righteousness of God. But yet, if you have given your heart to the Lord and you are walking in fellowship with him, 
It doesn't matter what they say. Because the word, the word, the word says you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so we pray from that point. We pray from the point of understanding we are the righteousness of God. I've, got, I've gotten so far, it's, it's when I pray. <laughs> this is one of the things I bring to the Lord. You said, you said that I'm the, righteous, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to pray from that point. Not from the point of what I see or what I feel. Because there's times I get down to pray, I do not feel very righteous. I may have just yelled at the dog or kicked him as he walked through the door. You know, in, Serious? Or yelled at the dog and kicked my wife or something? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I'm saying? There's times you get down to pray and you do not feel righteous. For one reason or another. And that's how when you have to stop yourself and say, no, that's not how I'm entering into this time of fellowship with the Lord. I'm not coming into this time of fellowship. This is his time. This is my time with him. And I'm not coming into it on my own merit or on whether I feel righteous or not. I'm depending on what the word of God says. And the word of God says I'm righteous. So guess what? I'm righteous. And so I pray from that point. If you look at, um, I've even, I, I don't know if I would suggest you do this, but when I pray, I open my Bible to this verse, and I lay it on the ground, and I lay my face right on it. And I say, this is what you told me. So that's how I'm coming to you today. I'm praying effective, righteous prayers that are going to do and accomplish what I want them and I desire for them to accomplish because I know I'm praying in accordance with what your word says. When contending for the release of the rain, prayer is a non-negotiable priority. When you're praying for rain, it is a non-negotiable priority. Prayer is what releases the rain. I'm going to say it again. Prayer is what releases the rain. You can go on and you can read there a couple of more further verses there in, in uh, James. And he talks about Elijah. It says Elijah was a man, frail man. He was a man full of frailties. If you don't believe it, Go to 2 Kings and believe and, and read what happened to him and how he reacted shortly after he called down fire from heaven. He was walking in all that power, outran a chariot, and the next thing you know, he's running for his life, discouraged, thinking he's the only one left in camp. So Elijah was a frail man. He's just like you and me. But what does it say in James 5, 17, and 18, he prayed. And when he prayed, it stopped raining. And it says, and he prayed again. And if you look at that in, in the literal translation, it's, it, it means this, and praying, he prayed again. 
And while he was praying, he prayed some more. And he prayed greater. We'll get into that in just a little bit. But when you really get into that, listen, praying for the rain, praying for revival is a totally different thing. It's prayer on another level. It's prayer on a different level in a different realm. Really, when you start praying for rain, what you are doing, man, this hit me. It is an understanding that you are becoming a supernatural womb for God to birth his plans and his purposes on the earth. Ho. Ho. When you really stop, that's what you're doing. You're, you're letting the Lord use you as a supernatural womb to birth his plans and his presence in the earth. Praying positions a person to activate and experience the rain. Prayer is activating and experiencing the rain. The intensity of this kind of intercession is not, listen, you got you to get this. Intensity of this kind of intercession is not fueled by a deficit that needs to be filled. It is fueled by a promise that has been assured and needs to manifest. When you start praying for the rain, you're not praying because there's something lacking, because there's nothing lacking. What you need has already been provided. What you need, the rain, has already been provided. When you start to pray for rain, God doesn't sit up in heaven and go, well, I guess I better, I better get some rain made up. What we are asking for is exactly what God did in Acts 2. That's what we're praying for. That's what we're praying for is the activation of what God has already released. We pray because God said something we have not yet seen, and we seek to see it released. <laughs> I, man, I hope you... Listen, I got into this, and it... I, you know what I came up to? You know the conclusion I came to? As I started looking at this, I, I came to the conclusion, God, I don't even know how to pray. I have to start praying like the disciples prayed. Teach me how to pray. I was reading, and there was another, another book, and I was reading some on, on, on the subject of praying for the rain, and it's the guy who uh, uh, founded Jesus Culture. What's his name? Banning something. You know what he said? He said the best way to learn how to pray is to pray. What a tough concept, huh? The best way to learn how to pray is to pray. So when we pray, what we're doing is we're, we're asking God to release what he's already said and already promised, and we just want to see it released. That's it. Guys, this is not, you don't have to have a, a degree in theology to figure this out. 
you don't have to have studied this word for 25 years to figure this out. You know what's cool about this? It's what's available to the person who has studied and walked with God for 50 years is available to the person who has walked with God for five minutes. It's the same activation. We, they have the same access. God's not up in heaven saying, well, you know, you need to study a little more uh, before I can do that for you, before I can release the rain on you. You've got to have a little better grasp of what the rain is. No, if the heart is hungry and the heart is dry and a heart will do what needs to be done, they're going to get the rain. So prayer for, for rain, the prayer for rain, the prayer for revival has a totally, totally different sound to it. And we're going to talk about a couple of those things this morning. Prayer and praying for rain has a sound of desperation to it. It has the sound of desperation. Romans 8.26 Let's look at, it's a familiar portion of the scripture. And, we, and when we talk about receiving the Holy Spirit and about praying in the Spirit, this is, this is one of our go-to verses. You all know it. What does it say? Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Okay, so we, we, we relegate this a lot of time to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the receiving of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But I want you to look at this where it says, and, and, and in, in, in the passion, or yeah, the passion says this, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray or the best things to ask for. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading with God with emotional sighs too deep for words. Charles Spurgeon said this, groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. <laughs> Groanings which cannot be uttered are often prayers which cannot be refused. Where there is no rain, there is no rain where desperation is not displayed. There is no rain where desperation is not displayed. So what's desperation? This is a great, I thought, a great, a great definition <clears throat> the feeling you have when you are in a situation so dire that you are willing to take risk to change it. The feeling you have when you are in a situation so, so dire that you are willing to take risk to change it. That's what praying for revival is. You are so, it's such a dire situation for you that you're willing to take risk to see God do what he wants to do. Desperation exists because where we are presently is not the fullness of what is available in Christ. That's what desperation is. It's the realization that we have that what we are experiencing, however great it is, 
is not the fullness of what Christ has for us. And it's knowing that that keeps us going back and going back and going back. Desperation. It's a supernatural groan that isn't born out of shallow emotionalism. You're not going to get desperation out of a shallow, shallow emotional state. You don't get desperation by how you feel. You get desperation from what you know you are lacking and what you want. It's a Holy Spirit-initiated cry from within a person who is desiring God, who is desiring the rain, and they're willing to do it on his terms and not theirs. When you're willing to come to God and say, God, I don't care what it takes. I don't care what you have to do. I don't care where you have to take me. I want your presence, and that is all that matters to me. Bill Johnson said this, revivals are not the result of token prayers. If it won't move God, if it won't move me, it won't move God. (laughs) If you're praying prayers that can't even get you stirred up, how in the world do you think God's going to get stirred up over them? Desperation is what divides those who want the fullness of Christ to break into their lives from those who just want to feel good and have God bless their carnality and lukewarmness. Ouch. Prayer, desperation is what divides those who want the fullness of Christ, who really want God to break out in their lives from those who are just praying God for God to bless them. They just want God's stamp of approval on how they're doing and what they're doing. That's not desperation. That's narcissism. That's not desperation. That's self. That's self-gratification. And if you think that God is going to pour his presence out on you when you're walking in carnality and in self, not going to happen. Now, that doesn't mean that he just... doesn't mean that you're not saved. Let's get that straight right now. It doesn't mean that you're not walking with God. But isn't it amazing? Think about Abraham and Lot. Now, Hebrews says that Lot was... He calls... They call... He called... The writer of Hebrews called Lot righteous... But yet God's getting ready to destroy Sodom. And God goes to Abraham. And he shares with Abraham his plan. I'm going to destroy the city. And you know the story. God, God goes to all the... To find ten righteous people. Can't even find ten righteous people. Just one. So here's Abraham... Righteous Abraham. And God is sharing his plans and his purpose with him. Abraham knows what's coming. Here's Lot. Righteous man. And he doesn't have a clue. He has no clue what's coming. So much to the point that God has to send messengers to him to literally drag him out of the city. 
But yet Abraham knew all along. That's the difference we're talking about here. That's when we talk about desperation, we're talking about that kind of a, of, of a scenario. You're praying desperately because God's sharing his heart with you, and you know. You know what he wants. You know what he wants to bring. Whereas you're over here in this other camp when you're walking in carnality, and you don't have a clue what God wants. It's not because God's not willing to show you. It's because you're not willing to see it, and you're not willing to want it because you want what you want. Desperation is confrontational. <laughs> Desperation is confrontational. It is dynamic and it is unyielding. It pierces the carnality of commercial Christianity. Yes, there is such a thing as commercial Christianity. It confronts complacency, comfort, and lukewarmness with the desire and hunger for God that invades our lives. It is a sound, the sound of desperation when you pray, is a sound that opens the door for the supernatural plans and purposes of God to be accomplished in the natural. It releases, when you start praying that, with that desperation in your heart, it releases. It is a supernatural release for God to show the plans and, the, and, and to release the plan. Think about Hannah. As I was reading this, I thought about Hannah. And Hannah was a, she was a desperate woman. She wanted a child. And her desperation was to such a point to where she's kneeling in the temple. And here comes Eli the priest, and she's praying with such intensity and desperation and in such a way that Eli thinks she's drunk. But she's praying with such intensity. And God gives her, because of the desperation she was praying under, God gave her what she wanted, and that was a son. Now, she had no idea that God was going to take that boy and use him to turn the destination and the, the destiny of an entire nation. That boy was going to be the, the means that God used to completely turn the destiny of Israel from godlessness back to God. She had no clue. She just just prayed and desperate because she wanted a son. That's what she knew. You see, when we pray with, with, with intensity and, and with desperation like this, we have no idea what God is wanting to release through us. We said it earlier. We said it earlier about, about how that, that God, uh, when you're contending, you're, 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 you're becoming, you're allowing yourself to become, what a, this is such a, that, man, what a vivid, what a vivid picture that you're allowing yourself and God to use you as a supernatural womb to birth his presence and to, to birth his purpose in the earth. 
She had no idea what she was praying for. She just thought she was praying for her son. But God was going, no, no, your desperation is going to allow me to do something beyond what, you, what you're praying for. And it's the same with us. Guys, we have no idea when that spirit of desperation and we're praying, what, we, we don't have any clue when we're asking God to bring the rain. We, ha- we have our own ideas, what we, what we think and what we desire. But we, God's saying, well, you want that, but guess what? This is what's going to happen. Remember when we talked about the difference between rain and the three, the three uh, aspects of rain, three words for rain? We're thinking rain. God's thinking, no, I'm thinking Geshem. I'm thinking the heavy rain. <laughs> You're asking for a sprinkle. You're asking for a drizzle. But in my mind, I'm thinking heavy rain. I'm thinking abundant rain. So it's got to have the sound of desperation. It was the, the, the sound of desperation and the prayer of desperation. It releases stuff in the heavenlies. It releases stuff in the supernatural. It was a prayer of desperation that caused two 80-some-year-old ladies twice a week to pray from 10 o'clock in the evening to 4 o'clock in the morning because they wanted to see God do something in their town and in their, their place. It was a prayer of desperation that caused at the same time six men together twice a week in a barn. Sometimes it was so cold they had to burrow into the hay to stay warm. But they would pray because they wanted to see God. They were desperate to see God change things. It was a prayer, it was desperation that caused a one-eyed black man to go and sit outside a Bible classroom because he wasn't allowed to come in the Bible classroom because he was black. But he wanted God so much and he was so desperate to see God move that he would sit outside that classroom and listen and hear what was being said. And God used that black man to change the landscape of the church. Charles, or, or William Seymour. The man who was instrumental in, in Azusa Street and, and who, was, who was the one who really birthed that, that God birthed that movement through William Seymour because he, was, he didn't care that he would, couldn't get in that classroom. He said, you won't let me in. I'll sit outside. You can't keep me from hearing. You can't plug my ears. I want God. I want what God has for me. I want what, that's what the prayer of desperation looks like. You know what it shows me? I'm not desperate enough. I'll just be flat, blunt, honest with you. Because we're, we're, you know, we're praying for it, and we want it, yeah. But are we willing to pray in a place of desperation that says, God, if I don't get this, I'm going to die. If I don't get this, Lord, if you don't send the rain, we're not going to make it. If you don't send the rain then we're not, we're, we're not going to make it. We have to have it. It is vital for us to have it. That's praying with desperation. That's the groanings that cannot be uttered. When you get down on your knees, and that is such a, it is such a welling force within you that you can't even pray. All you can do is groan. 
I got to be honest, I haven't been that many, that time, that many places, and that, at that point, very many times. But see, that's what this kind of prayer for revival does. It's not, let now I lay me down to sleep prayers. It's not, God is good, God is great prayers. This is prayer that's coming out of the, the very center and the very bottom of your spirit that says, God, I got to have it. I have to have it. Or else I'm going to die. I'm not going to make it. It was a prayer, that this prayer that caused John Knox to pray over an entire nation. God, give me Scotland or I die. That's what it, it, this prayer of desperation caused him to pray in such a way that Mary, the queen, the, the queen of Scotland, she, uh, uh, she was killing people. That she said this, she said, I fear the prayers of John Mox more than I, pray, I, I fear any army. How would you like to be able to pray like that? To where George, or uh, what's his name? Joe Biden would look at you and say, I fear, I fear Mike's prayers more than I, I, fear, I fear the army of China. I, 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 I fear Herb's prayer more than I, I fear anything that China could do. But see, that's the kind of prayer that this takes. You really want to see God move. You really want the rain. You have to pray with that kind of spirit of desperation. It has to be everything. It has to be what you think about when you get up in the morning. It has to, and listen, it doesn't mean you have to be willing to set aside your own agenda. You have to be willing to walk outside of what you want and what you feel like you need to do to get into this kind of spirit of prayer. Prayer has the sound of tarrying. Luke 24, 49, Jesus said to his disciples, he said, you go and you tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise. He said in Acts 1, 4 to the disciples, go and stay in Jerusalem. Tarry in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. One of my commentaries said this, throughout the ages, there have been those who refused to conform to the status quo of what was visible. The Christ, this crisis of faith pushed them past status quo Christianity and catapulted them into the dangerous depths of spiritual encounter, of supernatural encounter. Terry means to have a fixed position. It means to sit down and remain, to stay in one place, wait with expectation, to remain steadfast despite obstacles. Tarrying was what Elijah was doing when you read about him in, in 1 Kings 18, where James references it in five and in, in James 5. Go back and read. Go back to 1 Kings 8 and read how what it says that Elijah went down on his knees with his face between his knees. And he prayed. 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 Until he saw what he was praying for. And he saw it manifested. Tarrying intercession bridges the gap between availability 
and accessing what's available. You see, on the day of Pentecost, they, 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 those 120 people had been told. Jesus said, you go and tarry, the promise is coming. Now, they weren't praying for the promise. They weren't praying for the promise because God had already, Jesus had already promised this to them. Now, they had walked with him for what? 40-some days after he had resurrected? They had seen him die. They had seen him resurrected from the dead. They had him teach them for 40 days after he had died. I think they pretty well had it figured out. Well, (laughs) if he did that, and he says, Holy Spirit's coming, he says, Comforter's coming, then it's coming. We just have to do what he said, and we go, we sit, we wait, we remain, we do what we're supposed to do until we receive it. The old saints used to call it praying through. The old saints used to call it praying through. And we've, we've, we've really gotten away from this. I got, I got to be honest with you. And, and some of the reason was, you know, no matter what, what time you're in, you're going to have people that don't understand how to use what God's given I can remember it as a, as a youngster. Somebody had come forward to get filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And there'd be people around him praying. And they'd have people on one side telling him, hold on, hold on. And they'd have somebody on the other side telling him, let go, let go. <laughs> right? Been in Pentecost very long. You've heard it. You've seen it. So in understanding that, Instead of correcting what should have been corrected, we just said, yeah, we're not going to do that anymore. That's make people uncomfortable. So we're just not going to, we're not going to do that anymore. I can remember growing up after a church service where people would come around the altar and they would kneel and they would pray and they would tarry and they would, they would see God touch them. I can remember one time. I got to hurry. But it was a Sunday night service. And it had been just run-of-the-mill Sunday night service. And they gave the call for the altars to be open, and people began to come and pray. And there was a group of kids, my two, and I don't know, it was like 10 or 11 other kids, about their age, that were up praying. And I mean, the power of God hit that bunch of kids. And every, almost every one of them was filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I can remember one, one little gal. Her name was Megan. She's five years old. And I'm telling you what. God hit that little gal, and she, she was preaching in, in, in the Spirit. Walking back, and she was prophesying in the Spirit, walking back and forth. Across, and I mean, she was, I mean it, I'm not joking. The hair was standing up on the back of my neck. She was praying under such power. I, my still, I can still see it in my mind. One o'clock in the morning. Her dad carrying her out the door, and she's still praying in tongues <laughs> as he's carrying her out the door. But see, that, that's, that was what it took. See, people understanding, this, this is worth having. Even if it's worth having, it's worth waiting for. It's worth seeking God for. It's worth coming and going after him for this. 
Tearing holds the words of holds on to the words of Jesus and the promises of Scripture and relentlessly proclaims, declares, and announces these things until the words we read become the realities we see. That's what tarrying is. It holds on to the words of God. And it relentlessly proclaims them, declares them, decrees them until what we read here becomes what we see here. Tarrying is difficult and demanding. And here's where the rubber meets the road. Tarrying is difficult and it is demanding. Praying for the rain is difficult and it is demanding. I will tell you right now, when we see God move, and he, the, I mean when the skies open up, that's not the time to quit praying. That's the time to increase your praying. When you see God begin to move, that's not the time to sit back and say, oh, hallelujah. Here, we're here, we're here. No, that's the time to press in and to say, God, keep, keep coming. Keep pouring it out, Lord. Don't stop, don't stop. It means we stay at it, we wait, believe, and declare until the promise becomes reality. Now, don't get the wrong idea here. Tearing before the Lord is not begging. I'm going to say it again. Tearing before the Lord is not begging. You're not coming with an attitude of begging. You're coming with an attitude that says, God, you said it. It's asking and it's believing for what has already been given. <laughs> You're not begging God for anything. God is not holding the rain. That, that's the idea of tarrying. Is he's not holding it in his rain, and we're tarrying, and we're beating on the floor, and we're beating on our chest and everything else to try to pry the hand of God open to release the rain. That's not what we're doing. God's not holding this thing, guys, in his clenched fist and say, okay. Pray, pray hard enough and we'll see if we can get, you can get it released. God's more than willing to release it. It's his heart to release it. When we tarry in prayer and we tarry before him, reprival prayer has the sound of tarrying. Tarrying is a steadfast, faith-filled declaration of what we are expecting to receive. Man, I've, I'm, I've gotten to the point when I... I did it this morning when I was praying. I'm not begging God to move anymore. I'm expecting him to. I prayed this morning. I said, God, I'm expecting you. What we, just, what we experienced last Sunday was great. It was marvelous. But God, I'm after more today. I want to see more of it today. I want to see it greater today. The last thing that, and we'll, we'll, we'll shut down with this real quick. The sound of revival prayer is the sound of relentless, relentless, consistent fervency. James 5.16, again, the prayer of a righteous man, the fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. 
Fervent is to be mighty, to be operative, to be at work, to put forth power. It is a prayer that places a demand on what we claim to believe. Ask the word, and we mentioned this when we first started this. When Zachariah said, ask for the Lord, that word ask means this. It means to place a demand on or come into agreement with. Now, when you're putting a demand on what God's, you're not coming like some petulant little child that's throwing a fit on the floor because you ain't getting what you, you want. That's not placing the demand. You ever been with a kid and you promised your kids something and they know that's coming and they pester you to death until they put, I'm, they, they're excited. When are we going to go? Is it time yet to get ready? When can I have that? Are you going to let me have that now? Because you promised them? And that child keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps pestering you until you finally say, okay, it's time. Are we there yet? yet? That's what we're talking about when we're talking about fervent prayer. Fervent prayer. It's prayer that will not stop, not relent, until what is promised is released, until what has been said becomes reality. It's not the person that makes the prayer fervent. Get that out of your head. You don't have to be a certain way in order to pray fervently. You just have to have a heart that's ready to receive. According to James, Elijah was nothing special. <laughs> but it says that he prayed. And when he prayed, the supernatural happened. Fervent prayer is not popular. It is difficult and demanding, costly. It's hard on your flesh. It requires a persistent, relentless attitude that says, I will not let go until I get what I'm after. It's not something, and we're going to sh we'll shut down with this. It's not something that you find room for in your busy schedule. You start putting your schedule aside. Now, I know you got things to do. I know they're saying you got responsibilities. Get that. But I'm finding out in my life there's a lot of dumb stuff and goofy stuff and wasteful stuff that I do that I could be spending time before, on my face before God about. It all depends on how bad I want it. It's the very nature, the very nature of relentless, consistent, fervent prayer is all-consuming. And I'm going to close with this. This was a, a quote from Evan Roberts, who was, who was instrumental in the, in the uh, Welsh revival. He said this about prayer. My life by this time was totally swallowed up in prayer. I was praying day and night. Prayer literally consumed me. If you want the rain, if you're really desperate, you really hunger for the rain, you're going to get desperate about it. You're going to, you're going to spend time praying for it. It's not going to be some little quick five-minute prayer. I will guarantee you what you see happening right now is not the result of people just praying little lace-filled little Lord Fontenroy prayers about prayer. But no, they're, get, they got, they're getting down. And they're getting dirty about it, if I could use that term. So this is, a, this is the ultimate 
You don't have prayer, you don't get rain. You don't pray, you don't get rain. So my prayer is, God, you send a spirit of prayer on us. You send a spirit of prayer on us, Lord, that absolutely takes precedence over everything else. I'm not talking about just corporately. I'm talking about in our private lives. Till we have come under such a spirit of prayer that we cannot, we cannot function if we don't have it. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen today. If you would like more information about Faith Family Church, including service times and location, visit faithfamilybillings.com.